Hey everybody, how's it going today? Welcome to the Where We Going Today podcast. Before we dip into whatever today's topic may be, let's take a couple of minutes to center the mind, to slow down, to focus on our breathing, to relax the body, and allow the mind to follow in relaxing. By training the mind to focus on the breath, we create an opportunity for stillness, for clarity, a space for peacefulness. knowing as the breath comes in, knowing as the breath comes out, watching and knowing. Recently, a Buddhist lady friend of mine has been experiencing some troubling dreams at night. She comes from a traditional Orthodox Buddhist background and she attributes these dreams which have been disrupting her sleep to a ghost that is trying to disturb her. Whether one's a Buddhist or not, you might find it interesting to know that the Buddha actually did talk from time to time about ghosts, and he said they are real. In the same way that human beings are real, animals are real, and so on, ghosts are also beings that live in a realm that is outside of our direct perception generally. Whatever our feelings on ghosts, I think it's helpful if we are open in our minds and in our hearts to possibilities. For me, I never gave much thought to ghosts, whether they existed or not, but all of that changed about six years ago. During the first summer that I started living in California, I rented a 95-year-old house in a peaceful neighborhood. The house was beautiful and charming in need of some repair. And it also seemed to be occupied strange things started to happen. I can still clearly remember the first strange thing that happened. One day I was washing dishes and I was
is in the kitchen at the sink. And over my right shoulder, I saw a figure walk behind me and then enter the hallway that led into the back bedrooms of the house. Granted, due to the climate and the safety of the neighborhood, I would leave windows and doors open during the day. So naturally, I was a little concerned that perhaps someone had come into the house, so I stopped what I was doing and investigated and found no one in the house. It was a peculiar thing, but I didn't think much of it, yet it was strange enough that I chose not to tell my wife about it. I didn't want her to feel uncomfortable. And about a week later, I was taking a nap on the living room couch. And my wife would tell me later on that she'd been in the kitchen preparing food when she heard a man say to her, what are you doing? Her immediate thought was it must be Courtney inquiring, but it was obvious what she was doing. She was preparing a meal, and so she replied, what's it look like I'm doing? Until she recalled that I was taking a nap, and sure enough, when she went out around the corner and into the living room, there I was sleeping. And then it clearly stuck out that a man had just asked her what she was doing. And so when she reported this strange incident to me after my nap, I decided to tell her about what I had experienced the week before. And perhaps a week or two after that, we had our neighbors over for dinner. We had just met them. But Santa Barbara is a delightful, friendly community, and we very quickly made friends with our wonderful neighbors, an open-minded and very loving, heartwarm couple. And we had dinner on the back patio. And at the conclusion of the evening, we, the four of us were in the kitchen, standing in something of a circle, reflecting on the evening and saying our good nights. Mind you, we had not mentioned these two strange encounters to our new friends, our neighbors, and so it was jaw-dropping when the lady, our new friend, interrupted our conversation and exclaimed, am I the only person who just saw that man walk right through the kitchen? She apparently had seen a man walk right in between our small group and exit the kitchen and go into the other rooms of the house. And so we decided to share our other two strange experiences. So by now it was kind of a strange feeling, uncomfortable, a little creepy, but I remembered the teachings of the Buddha where he talked, as I said, from time to time about ghosts and it seems ghosts in general are not something to fear, despite the fear we might have. What I chose to do instead of be fearful was to embrace it. Each evening I would start to wish goodnight to the ghosts aloud, 
good night, ghosts. Thank you for sharing our home. I hope you have a restful evening. And I swear that the vibe changed. Whatever was going on in that house on a very subtle level, the energy changed from a little creepy to almost comfortable. And so for the next more than a year and a half that we lived in this old house, the ghost or whatever was still there, but with a different energy. There were times when the television set would change channels for no apparent reason. There was the occasion where in the front bedroom that no one occupied, it was kept vacant, where the doors, excuse me, the drawers and the dresser would open and close and slam. There was in that same bedroom in this old house, the peculiar window that led to the side yard that was in the fenced-in backyard. These antique windows had a mechanism in which they locked by turning a handle, a knob, and you had to turn it in the opposite direction several times in order to loosen the lock and then push out to allow the door to swing open. We didn't use that bedroom and the doors and windows, excuse me, the windows were always closed and locked. And yet one day I found myself in the bedroom and something led me to pull back the two curtains that kept the room very dark and look on the other side. And there I saw the window was not only ajar by a full foot, but locked open in place. It hadn't been like that previously. On another occasion in the bathroom, I discovered something peculiar. We were renting this house and the owner of the house kept some of her personal supplies and baskets on a series of high shelves well above the toilet. On one of the upper shelves, just out of reach for anyone less tall than me perhaps, was a hairdryer with the cord wrapped around the handle and tucked nicely into the basket. Anyway, on one occasion, I went into the bathroom and I found the cord completely unraveled from the hairdryer. The hairdryer was still in the basket and the cord was dangling down almost into the toilet. I have no idea what happened other than perhaps our friendly ghost. An interesting thing happened the second summer that we started to stay there. Although we lived there over the course of two years, really the first year we rented the house for six months one summer and then five months the following summer. When we returned at the beginning of that second summer, we went to bed in this old house in the master bedroom. And although the alarm clock in the bedroom had not been set, at midnight on the nose, it went off. I'm not sure why, but in any case, I couldn't figure out what to do with it and I unplugged it from the wall. 
It was about an hour later when I heard a strange sound. I thought I was sleeping, but something woke me from my sleep. I found my wife was not in the bed, and so I went down the hall and found her in a semi-conscious state, slumped against the wall. I called an ambulance and spent the next 16 hours in the emergency room with her. But that's not the end of the story. Because we only rented the house part-time, we also had an arrangement where the homeowner, who lived out of state but liked to come visit and stay in their home, would sometimes come, say on holiday weekends, to spend time in lovely Santa Barbara. And so we told the homeowner about the strange occasion where the alarm clock sounded in the middle of the night, even though the alarm had not been set. We told them that we unplugged the clock from the wall. That's why you know. That's why the clock is not plugged in. So we vacated as we sometimes would as they came for a Memorial Day long weekend in their home. And when we returned, after they left and returned to their home out of state, they said, well, we plugged the alarm clock back in. It worked fine while we were there. I'm not sure why it went off in the middle of the night for you. So we went back to sleep that very night. And what do you suppose happened at midnight? The alarm clock, which had not been set, went off. It was a strange thing. But as I reflect again on this thing with the alarm clock and what happened to my wife, self, suddenly conscious in the hallway, I can't help but wonder if in some strange way the ghost in the house was trying to communicate. And perhaps that first time it sounded, I wasn't quite back to sleep when only an hour later I woke to find her slumped in the hallway outside the bathroom. Perhaps he raised an alarm, sensing something was not good, and it may have saved my wife's life. I don't know. But these weren't the only strange things that happened in the house. This old house had a sticky master bedroom door. What I mean by that the wood was old and warped, and when you really shut the bedroom door, it was stuck in place. You had to push hard to seal the door. Yet we were taking a nap in the middle of the day one day, and somehow the door managed to open on its own and swing completely ajar. Sometime during that second summer, I had a friend visiting from out of state. I didn't want her to think I was a nut, and so I didn't tell her anything about the strange things that happened in the house. After all, me and the ghost were friendly. And so one day my friend and I were standing in the kitchen and she was enjoying some coffee, and she made this curious observation. She looked out the kitchen window into the backyard and commented about the interesting pruning job of the hedge this circular hedge in the middle of the fenced-in backyard, she thought, 
It's an odd way to prune a hedge. It looks like the sort of place where sacrifices would be made. I thought that was such a strange thing to say. And so one time I was talking to my mom about this whole thing, just having a conversation. I remember when I was younger, she would sometimes take me to cemeteries. She loved cemeteries, and I in time would come to love cemeteries as well, and I still do. From time to time, I will have meditation retreats in cemeteries. But in any case, I thought my mom would appreciate these strange things going on in this old, old house. And so I recounted all of these various episodes. And my mom got really serious. And she said, you need to talk to the owner of this house and find out if she's ever had a seance in this house. A seance is a ceremony in which you try to communicate with the dead. I laughed it off and said, oh, I'm not going to do that. That's ridiculous. And I don't really know the owners of the house that way. And she said, well, I'm coming to visit in a couple months, and we can talk about this more when, we, when I get there. But you really need to have that conversation with the owner. This was uncharacteristic for mom my mom to get so serious about a topic like this, I really expected it to be a lighthearted and somewhat playful discussion, yet she seemed very serious. Well, my mom never did come for that visit. There are a number of reasons why that could have happened, but I will say this, there were occasions while we lived in that house in which we had house guests over to spend the night and every time, it seemed, something in the evening time led them to decide to leave and go stay someplace else. And they never said they felt creepy, but for whatever reason, bedtime came and they had a change of heart and decided to stay somewhere else. But in any case, for whatever reason, my mom didn't come but her words stuck with me. You should talk to the homeowner about this. And so at the end of that second summer, when I would meet with the owner of the home to give her back the keys, we'd have dinner and we would recap the summer and express our gratitude and appreciation for sharing her lovely home with us. I decided to mention what had happened. I had before not mentioned the creepy things, the ghosts in the house. And so I said, well, I have an anecdote to share. And I recounted how I'd shared these circumstances, these situations, these incidents with my mom who insisted you should ask the homeowner if she'd ever had a seance in the house. And to my utter surprise, the homeowner, without missing beat, said, yes. And as a matter of fact, we have. Strange. to make of it. I know that several years later I met a young lady born and raised in Santa Barbara who happened to live on the same street on the same block as that house I lived in those two summers. I said the house I lived in on your street was haunted. Do you have any reason to think there are ghosts in your house? 
She said, not in this house, but I lived my whole life in Santa Barbara, and this is the first house I've ever lived in that wasn't haunted. It's a strange place. It's a wonderful community, yet there's this energy, this ghostly presence that seems to go unquestioned. I was a person who never gave much thought at all to whether ghosts exist or not. But now it seems perhaps the words of the Buddha might be trusted. But in my case, by making friends, by welcoming this presence to share the space, the energy did seem to shift and we lived together, it seemed, in peace, in harmony, and just a little bit of weirdness. So thank you for listening to today's episode about a ghost in the house. Perhaps we can sit for a couple of minutes, but before we do, I'd like to encourage you to follow the Where We Going Today Facebook and Instagram pages where you'll find photos and additional commentary related to the episodes. And also please consider following or friending me, Courtney Purcell, on Facebook. But for now, let's sit for a bit.